And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast. A couple of hours after an absolutely bonkers trade deadline that saw the big deal that we were all waiting on and a bunch of other interesting deals. My head is still spinning. The coffee is flowing. James Harden is a sixer. Ben Simmons is a net. What in the absolute hell is going on? Kristaps Porzingis is a wizard. Bobby Marks. How you doing? What's going on? Oh, man. Just coming up for air here. Right. It's like, feel like I feel like the trade deadline is just like about survival, right? Like just like, and you really kind of get, you're getting caught up with all these other minor trades that probably will have, you know, we'll talk about Tory Craig to the Suns again down the road. And, um, but yeah, doing good. I mean, I didn't know where we were going because there was a major lull for, for a while this morning until all of a sudden things just started to open up with. Dante DiVincenzo to the Sacramento Kings. We're going to talk about that later. We got to start with the headliner, which is that roughly 13 months after it began, the James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant experiment in Brooklyn is over. After 16 games together on the floor, the greatest theoretical NBA team in history is now no more. James Harden sulked and pouted and loafed his way out of a team for the second time in two years. Um, The 76ers held the threat of signing James Harden outright in free agency over Brooklyn as a leverage play. Brooklyn sort of held their own kind of leverage, saying you guys need to make a move now because you're going to waste the Joel Embiid prime season. Brooklyn ends up getting not just Ben Simmons, but Seth Curry, a beloved two-man game partner with Joel Embiid and a great, great shooter from all over the floor. A good mid-range game, getting to the rim more. It's a great offensive player. Andre Drummond, maybe the best backup center, probably the best backup center Joel Embiid has ever had. Two first-round picks. Not Matisse Thybul, which was, I think, a sticking point until the end. Not Tyrese Maxey, which was not a sticking point because Tyrese Maxey was not going to go to Brooklyn in this trade ever, I don't think. Um, my initial reaction was Brooklyn did pretty well, considering that clearly they believed the threat of James Harden to walk away. Clearly they believed the threat of Philadelphia as a cap space suitor, and they still got some pretty valuable extra stuff. I'm sure they would have loved to have gotten titled. They didn't. And the Sixers, look, Daryl Morey, there were a lot lot of people, not me, a lot of people finger wagging for four or five months. Got to take what you can get. Can't waste the season of Joel Embiid's prime. Got to take 80 cents on a dollar, 70 cents on a dollar. Just do something now. Do something now. Do something now. Daryl Morey gets to puff his chest out a little bit and say, oh, yeah? I should have taken Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes? Really? Think so? Because I got James Harden. Now, I, I, I got to pay James Harden eventually. He just opted into his contract. I think you were maybe the first one to report that, Bobby. Yeah. Um, which is a big deal because it kind of puts that decision off a year. Like if next year's a disaster, if he gets hurt again, if there's some sort of precipitous decline, you have a year of information. But for now, they have James Harden. Joel Embiid, I think, is 28 years old. Daryl Morey will pay for pain on the back end of James Harden's next contract, which you, Bobby Marks, declared to the world might end up the worst contract <laughs> in the history of the NBA live on television today he will pay those last two or three years if in the first three 
he gets a ring or has a really good shot at a ring. That's my 10,000-foot view. What was your initial reaction when this finally came to be? Yeah, I mean, Daryl accomplished what he wanted to do, right? He declared that he was looking, they were looking for a top 25 player. Uh, they certainly got it with Harden. Um, they did not have to give up uh, Thibel or Maxi in the deal. Um, I think, you know, the, the goal is now to win a championship in the, you know, the next, you know, two, two to three years here, because I said, you know, Chris roll out the crystal ball, that Harden contract down the road. And if it's down the road, um, is not going to look, uh, quite appealing here. And, um, they drew a line in the sand as far as what the asking price was going to be for Simmons. Um, and they got it at the, um, they got it at the 11th hour here. I thought, um, Brooklyn was playing with fire here, um, a little bit where clearly um, they, clearly they agreed. Yeah. Where they're, uh, if you asked, um, you know, people close to that organization a week ago, um, they would have used that, um, you know, Harden can earn more money in Brooklyn, let him go into free agency. Uh, Philadelphia didn't have the cap space and Philadelphia has made it known around the league that we can create cap space. We can move to potentially Tobias Harris um, in a deal down the road. Um, oh, they can, made it known. They yeah. made it known around the league. Could <laughs> um, they actually have done it? I, well, I don't know. Uh, that's yeah, that's the big thing. And you know what? I bet, I bet cost. they, I bet they could have because where there's a will, there's a way. And to your point, it would have cost them. Now they gave up two picks in this draft. That's the kind of stuff the two picks rather in this trade. That's the kind of stuff you pay to get off Tobias Harris. That's the kind of yeah. stuff you pay to get off an emergency $10 million that you need to get off. So maybe they paid some of that cost today anyway, but you know, look, whatever it was, as you said, the nets had to believe on some level, we are playing with the risk of having traded Karis LeVert, Torian Prince, Rodians Kuruts. Rodians Kuruts never gets his love as part of the James Harden trade. Jared Allen, I wish I might have already said, my brain is broken. Nine million picks, nine million and one swaps for James Harden, and uh, and here we are. Well, yeah, I mean, you add the as you said the 2022, and it could be deferred to 23, and then that one in 20, um, I believe 27, that's top eight protected. Like if you would have asked me three days ago, would should Brooklyn settle for Harden? And when I mean, we did it on the on the show um, a couple of days ago, Harden, I mean uh, Simmons and Seth Curry, right? And it was like, well, I don't know if Philadelphia needs to do that. You can just kind of hold out, and then you know um, Curry will certainly help with the the Joe Harris injury. You get Drummond, Andre Drummond's played had a pretty good you know role, role as a backup. You get a, a big there. Um, and, you, and you get draft assets with the risk of potentially losing him for nothing. One of the reasons Drummond is in this deal, and there's already fretting about, oh, my God, who's the backup center for the Sixers? Is it going to be a buyout guy? Charles Bassey, has anyone heard of him? Uh, B-ball Paul, Paul Reed, is he going to do it? Like, maybe the answer is all of the above. And Andre Drummond's in the deal because the Nets wanted him in the deal. The Sixers gave him up because one of Daryl Moore's beliefs about team building is, I can't really care or invest so much in the backups to my superstar player. Because if my superstar player gets injured, we're f***ed anyway. And my superstar player is going to play 38 to 40 minutes a game when it matters. Harden, should they stagger the minutes, and they should, will play the other 10 or 12 to keep the offense afloat. And I just can finagle a way to fix those minutes uh, if I need to, having given up. I don't know how the hell we're talking about Andre Drummond. My point before was that the Nets had traded all of this stuff for James Harden. 
And I think they believed on some level he's going to walk and we're going to have traded everything. We got to get something now. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly that's, you know, and if I was adamant that Brooklyn, you know, had leverage um, by because of the contract that could, they could have offered him by the lack of cap space. This was a couple of weeks ago, lack of cap space for teams. And then what, what you started to see was little by little, Indiana all of a sudden became a team with cap space. Um, Portland all of a sudden becomes a team with cap space. And that small number now grows to five. We don't know what Oklahoma City is still sitting on $33 million and potentially could have taken back Tobias Harris in hey, the, uh, the, the offseason. The salary floor calculation, that, that doesn't come until July 1, right? So they still have – can they – or is no, that over? That, it freezes on the last day of the regular season. So they're done. The Thunder players. Unless unless you go out and sign some, I don't know, some free agents out there and, and try to make up some of that money. I I want, I want, I don't know where the hell the Thunder are. I think they played at home last night. I want video of Ty Jerome and Poku and Derek Favors and Darius Baisley going hog wild at the nicest club in the greater Oklahoma City vicinity tonight. I want I want money to be thrown in the air. I want all the trimmings. I want the most expensive bottles. I want we need to have video of what they how they react to this. Well, I wouldn't spend it all at once, all right? Like let's see, they still got two months to go out and sign Gabriel a Gabriel Deck type contract where you're giving him like five million is, this is year. Is Presti gonna get kidnapped? Is are these is is uh, we're gonna is like Presti gonna disappear for two months and the players will have kidnapped him? I don't know. they the front office there probably wasn't happy that I tweeted out that the big winners was Oklahoma City and they all can split twenty three million dollars. So um it sounds really, like it sounds like Oceans fourteen. <laughs> like we're all gonna split twenty three million dollars guys. Are you in? I'm in. Are you in? Let's kidnap Presti <laughs> <laughs> or you have a big uh, going away party or, or end of the season party here. But um, I mean, just going back to Brooklyn, I mean, I, we're changing back to back to the nets here. And I, yeah, I think just my initial reaction was, is that it helps Philadelphia certainly now. And I think it helps Brooklyn for, for the future. Um, you know, certainly with, I think my, the wild card for me is where Ben Simmons is physically, you know, certainly we can talk about the mental part of it, but physically like game ready, when we when are we going to see him? Um, I mean, it's a lot different than playing pickup and training and down in Miami or in Philadelphia to actually playing in game game action here. Here are a couple of things I wrote when the Nets acquired James Harden. This is from the piece I wrote that day. Because remember, there were a lot of people being like, "You trade everything for James Harden. It's a no brainer. It's risk free, whatever." And I and I largely like. I think they made. A, I think it was smart for them to get James Harden. I don't think today proves that the Nets made a mistake going all in for a third start. But this is what I wrote about the draft picks. That is an enormous amount of draft equity. Enormous. I don't care how good the team is now or how good it projects to be in 2023. Dealing that many unprotected draft assets that far into the future is a giant risk. It can ruin your franchise for years. If you don't win at least one championship, the trade can go down as a bust. Now, I, I think that is a, lar- a couple of things on that. Number one, that time pressure has now been shifted to Philadelphia, right? The, the time pressure of we got to win now or this is a bust applies to Philadelphia. Number two, there was risk involved. It was not a no-brainer as proven by the events that have happened since. And 
it, not only t- today, but injuries in the playoffs, short-circuiting their playoff run. All of that is baked into this. That said, the whole argument of we have two stars, should we go, go, go get three? I, I keep defaulting to the third star is a hedge against an injury, but it's also it's it's also a hedge against this kind of calamity because you can trade that third star for other major stuff to round out your other two stars. And in this case, it's a third All-NBA player in theory and a bunch of the draft assets that you recoup. So I, I know that the Harden thing didn't work out. I don't think, though, that this is a referendum that somehow declares the idea of getting James Harden or third star X was a bad idea for the Nets. No, I, I don't. I mean, I just think I think what it shows you is it's how hard roster building is and as far as how hard it is to manage personalities and what you thought was really good. And we all agreed on it last January, you know, um, and Harden came out in the off. I mean, I, I wrote a, as I was telling you, I wrote a 3000 word article that was ready to go if he didn't get traded. And there were some of it was the quotes from the off season and how much he loved being in Brooklyn, how much he loved the ownership group and Sean and uh, Marks and, you know, Kevin. And, and then basically said there was nothing to worry about. I mean, that was the one line from him. Um, but as you know, like things, um, things change in a hurry. And I think that, you know, sending out multiple first round picks unprotected um, will backfire on you, but you still have Kevin Durant there. I mean, you still have, we'll see what happens with Kyrie Irving. You know, I mean, this is, I always, people always compared it. And I felt like when you were talking about it, you were like scolding me when, because it was about like the Boston trade of like 2000, 2000, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I know, I know. And you're sitting in front of a green, <laughs> like a Celtic green screen at yeah, our yeah. studio. Well, and sorry. also, and how about this? Even my, my, where my son goes to high school, the nickname is the Celtics. I mean, I can't, I, I just can't get away from it. It's like just following me like, like seven years later to the, to the day and everything. But, I think when you when there's risk, that trade with Harden is different than Pierce because there age. was we, age. there was yeah age and we had no safety net. There was no there was no insurance policy safety net. Um, they have an insurance policy, a big one, a great one with Kevin Durant. Um, on an, you know he signed that extension, and I'm sure Kyrie will be back, and we'll see what happens with his player option, and that's a story for another day here. But um, there is nothing is ever perfect when you trade away um, uh, future ones that are unprotected. I mean, just look at the Clippers, right? Like the Paul, the, um, the Paul George trade to get Kawhi, all those are unprotected. You have an injury during the year. Something happens that what you think is maybe the 25th pick in a draft is now the 13th pick in the draft. So things, things evolve over time. Here's something else I wrote in that piece uh, about the Nets acquiring Harden. This was about other teams that had sort of investigated, maybe should we look into trading with Houston, blah, blah. Harden's listless play and off-court flouting of Houston's training camp schedule and the league's coronavirus protocols, remember that, had several within those teams wondering if Harden, at age 31, two years from free agency, was worth upending their franchises. What would happen if anything was not to his liking? If he grew weary of their coach or soured on yet another superstar teammate, would he pout and carouse? Uh, yes, it turns out, yes, he would pout and, and do all of that. Um, this is this is it for James Harden. This, this is the last stop on the train. James Harden, James Harden left Oklahoma City. Great move. It was a great move for him, great move for his teams, great move for his career. Forced the Houston Rockets to get rid of Dwight Howard. Fine, that worked out. Not for maybe, but it, it, it didn't work out with Dwight Howard. Let's just say. 
Got Chris Paul, almost won the championship. Got tired of Chris Paul, forced the Houston Rockets at metaphorical gunpoint to make a catastrophically bad swap of Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook and two first-round picks and swaps and other stuff going out the door for Houston. Then decided after one year of failing again in the playoffs with Russell Westbrook, yeah, I'm done. I'm just going to... I'm just going to pout and play half-assed basketball until you get me out of here. Got his way to Brooklyn. That's where he wanted to go. Decided a year later. And not without merit. I still think I still think none of this happens if Kyrie Irving is vaccinated and can play every home game. I think that's the sort of – that's the, the origin point of all of this is their team just hasn't existed. And it hasn't existed for many reasons, including injuries. But mostly the biggest reason is that. Um but now Harden has done this again. He's going to Philadelphia. He's got his he's got his wish. He's back with he's doing the Shawshank Redemption on the beach hug with Daryl Morey. He's got his co-star in Joel Embiid. Now it's time to dial in, and we'll see how much of his his you know eighty five percent of peak play, like that fifteen percent decline we've seen this year, ten percent. We'll see how much of that was just eh, I don't want to be here, and how much of it was was real decline. But but this is his time. And they have, you know, they traded Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, but they kept Tybal, they kept Maxi. Tobias Harris is still here. Danny Green's still here. Uh, Shake Milton maybe will come back at some point. Cork Niang. They have enough depth, plus they'll get a buyout guy, I'm sure, to have a, a real team. Their offense should be pretty much unstoppable with shooting all around their two centerpiece players. And I'll tell you this, Bobby. The media is sometimes guilty of fixating on one or two bad moments of a player's postseason career and forgetting all of the good ones in big games that came before that. That happened with LeBron until he finally won a championship. A couple, the one bad finals, and boy, was it bad. Uh, one bad conference finals, and it was pretty bad. Or conference semifinals against Boston. And it wiped away everything that had come before. James Harden's postseason resume is, is lacking completely lacking almost in big moments since he hit a shot against San Antonio in the 2012 conference finals when he played like four teams ago for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I did the deep dive. I went and did it before the 2020 series against against uh, the Lakers, which Houston embarrassed themselves in. Harden's fourth quarter numbers in, in big games, elimination games, 2-2 two, two series games are bad. His crunch time numbers are bad. Most of his best playoff games are when his teams are up 3-0, down 3-0, up 3-1, down 3-1. Lower leverage. A lot of his crunch time baskets, because I went and watched all his field goal attempts in the, some of the biggest fourth quarters of his postseason career. A lot of his crunch time baskets and his crunch time shooting percentage stinks are, okay, uh, we're, Golden State's up 8. We'll concede a layup so that you don't get a 3. And James Harden inflates his crunch time field goal percentage from 0 to something better than 0 with essentially a conceded layup. Like, right now, his postseason resume is justifiably defined by meltdowns, three two of 11 games, three games in which he shot two of 11. It's just, the, the criticism of his postseason performance is not unfair. It's not cherry picking. It has been below his standard, more so than it has been for almost any other superstar in recent NBA history. That combined with all of this drama that he's left in his wake, look, it's time. The time is now. This is it. Well, yeah, I mean, and I thought last year was was going to be the year to kind of redeem that before he, you know, before he got hurt in the um, the Milwaukee series because I thought, you know, the Boston series and, yeah, you know, as you said, you know, when you're up 3-1, it's a little bit easier than 
you know, three three tied. Show me you know? something when it's when the pressure's highest. Show me something in the biggest game in the late. Show me something. And we're gonna find out. I mean, we're gonna find out. I mean, this team will likely finish in the top four. Um, and when you have an MVP candidate like Embiid, you know, it's it's not gonna be what what Joel do, does, but what 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 James does. I think uh, this team, this it, and and look um, to to the point in the Milwaukee series. I, I thought two of Harden's. I said this last week. Two of his best postseason moments were Game Six and Game Seven of that series. Uh, both games Brooklyn lost, but he gave them real minutes and real production on one leg and gutted it out. And that's to his credit. He was all those. But the fact that those might be his two like best and most impactful high leverage postseason moments in ten years is something that he needs to address. Now, I think you can sit here and stack Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Miami any way you want. We can talk about that in a second. And apologies to the Bulls who did nothing today and maybe can butt their way into this conversation. But I think those are the top four teams. I think Philadelphia has enough left uh, d- depth left to be a, a really good team. I think, you know, it, if their starting lineup is Maxi, Harden, Green, Harris, Embiid, I think between Embiid, Green is still okay defensively. Maxi's pretty feisty defensively. I think that's enough. Tobias Harris holds his own. He's not great. He's okay. I think that's enough defense. You throw Tybal in there at at some point, I think they have enough to remain steady on defense. I mean, Joel Embiid is one of the five best defensive players in the league. Offensively, look, there are going to be some wrinkles to iron out, some hiccups here and there. But if you have Harden and Embiid, it doesn't have to look pretty. It's going to be effective. I I think this is a damn good team if you tell me that they're the favorites in the east i i, I could see that I, I would take milwaukee right now just for the sake of stability but what do you think of the team they have left over well i mean and the, and the big thing too is that you you replace a player that wasn't even playing right with a player that's active that had played this year although you know towards the tail end it wasn't pretty so you basically insert that you lose i think you lose a little bit of shooting certainly shooting with uh, with curry we talked about uh, drummond before but uh, there's enough there i mean there's this is not like philadelphia did better now instead of waiting until the off season like like the like if you waited to the off season and you would just say you know what we're going to sign him in all, with cap space like there was a chance this roster would have been gutted like you would have had harden and bead uh, Maxi and Tybal. That's it. And not only that, I've been consistent on every platform we have, no matter where they were in the standings, how many games in a row they won. I've been consistent on the pre-trade Simmons-less version of the Sixers was not good enough to win the East. I don't care how chaotic the standings were. I don't care what the hell was going on in Brooklyn. I just don't buy that that team with a zero from Simmons, and I said it all along, was going to win the East. Now, now they can win the whole damn thing. Oh, oh, they can win it all. I mean, you've got. I mean, especially when you, uh, you know, the teams will not have to just scheme against Embiid. But now you've got the Harden dynamic, which you didn't have before. What's the over under on how many days until Harden starts floating? That you know, I don't know. This guy posts up a lot. I gotta throw him the ball a lot. Like I don't. Huh? That's that's not how I used to well, play. Well, as you know, the the first year. At least the first year of the, of the trade is always the honeymoon period. The honeymoon period ended in Brooklyn about a month ago. There was no honeymoon, the, man. No. The flight, the flight got canceled. <laughs> the hotel reservation got 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 turned over to somebody else. Um, 
So I think basketball-wise, like the fit is – I talked about the fit with Ramona a couple of days ago in anticipation of this trade potentially happening. I will just boil it down to this. There are two big questions that I need to see answered. N- number one, what is James Harden doing when Joel Embiid posts up? Because Joel Embiid is going to post up a lot, and he should. You can tell me about their pick and roll is going to be a little wonky because Joel's not a roller. He wants to short roll and run the offense in, 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 at the foul line and all that. That you could, James Harden, Joel Embiid, pick and roll. Yeah, he's not going to be Clint Capella. He doesn't have to. He's so good. He doesn't have to roll all the way for lobs. He can catch it eight feet away, and it's like the, basically the same thing as a lob. And you can't switch it. Their death on both ends will switch. That'll be fine. I'm curious. What are you doing when Joel's posting up? Are you just are you doing the Harden thing where like you're not even on the television screen? You're at half court. Not even a threat to shoot threes. Are you going to shoot spot up threes really well? Are we going to see any of the Mike D'Antoni actions where you would run up from the corner, take a screen, and then or take a take one screen and then take a handoff from Embiid, like a rapid fire pick and roll that they used to do with when D'Antoni coached the Rockets? That's that's basketball. That stuff is really effective. So that's my that's question number one. What do you think about that question? Yeah, I mean that, and I'm I'm interested about the pace. Right. Like I'm interested as far as how, what the pace Philadelphia plays at, because in Brooklyn with him, with the ball in his hands, the pace, I mean, it, like there are, I mean, there were possessions like where team makes a basket ball goes out of bounds. Like he's like, he's giddy up and over half court with like 16 on the clock. Right. Like he, he is taking the whole time and are they getting into their offense quick enough? Um, what happens with Maxi? That's going to be an interesting question. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's I still... see. I don't. I don't worry about Maxi because he's shown me enough this year. He started to take off the dribble threes, like not not even when his defender goes under, but when his defender goes over. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's so malleable. You 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 bend the defense and then kick to him on the weak side. He's attacking that gap. I'm not worried about him. No, I mean, but as we know, like what looks good on paper. I mean, I'm, I'm just like, I want to see it, right? Like I want to see it on paper. We've got to, we'll have a two month experiment before we get going into playoffs. We can, you know, we'll be able to dissect, dissect it all there. The second question is how is he fitting into their defense? Because he's a switch guy on defense has always been a switch guy on defense. It's, it's, it's the, it's the uh, softest line of resistance or whatever the phrase is. And the Sixers are not a switch team. Now, you can switch one to four, but, you know, teams are going to put Harden and Embiid in pick and rolls and say, let's see how you respond. Um, but all of that is, again, I think they have enough two-way personnel here. that Could they use one more guy? Maybe. Every team could use one more guy. I think this is going to be a damn good team. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts, 122 million for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right. 100, 100 times, times your money. money. 
With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Just download the app today and use code LOW for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LOW on the Prize Picks app for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Let's flip it around. Simmons in Brooklyn. Uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, what I think is when do we see him? Right, that's going to be the big thing. Um, I think long term, it's going to benefit Brooklyn. I mean, he's twenty five. Um, I think certainly have Kyrie having Kyrie Irving play off him. Um, you already have two proven scores with him and with uh, Durant and Irving, so it's not like you're asking him to, you know, do a lot. You know, offensively, at least from. You know, from a scoring standpoint, I think certainly they're, you know, the defense in Brooklyn dropped has dropped to the bottom. Uh, he helps out uh, tremendously. And their rebounding has dropped. And to their the bottom rebounding. Too. I mean, here's a guy who averages seven, five, eight, eight rebounds a game. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a, and I think you can, I think Steve Nash is going to, has, he can put out a lot of different lineups. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it. I had a lot of people tell me around the Eastern Conference in the last week. If this trade happens, it sucks for us because Philly's going to be better. That's a no-brainer. Philly is better today because they went from a zero to a non a lot. Um, and Brooklyn's going to be better. That's a line of thought I heard a lot. Well, yeah, because if Simmons goes west, you know, if he would have went somewhere else, then, um, you know, the Nets are dealing with the Harden situation still and Philly – you know, probably doesn't, you know, you're getting, you know, tier B type pieces here where basically like you're swapping, you know, you're the rare, the rare all-star for all-star type swap in other, in other pieces. And I get the theory behind why people are saying, well, the Nets will be better because the assumption is that if had Harden stayed on the team, he would have just loafed through the season and, and checked out as he did in Houston. I don't necessarily buy that assumption. I don't think that would have happened had Durant come back and they started to play well. Like, I, you can't check out of a potentially winning situation. That's, you can't totally – maybe he could. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too generous. Um, and and the, the other thing is, uh, A, Ben Simmons hasn't played all year. Okay, so how, how is he going to look? How much time are they going to have to figure it out? And B – yeah, it's a great fit with him and Kyrie and KD. He can be their Draymond Green. He can set screens and play defense and facilitate and amp up the pace. They always played at their fastest when Kyrie was in and Harden was out. Well, now you can amp that up. How? What is Kyrie on the team? Like, is he? Is he gonna? Is he? You know, that all sounds great. Is he playing home games ever? Is he on the team next year? They didn't offer him the extension in the end because they can't rely on him. He went. All, they traded for James Harden in part because Kyrie Irving just left the team 
for part of last season. He had his reasons for doing that. We all have our reasons for taking breaks from our professional lives sometimes. Whatever. But, like, how can I sit here and say, great fit, this team clicks into place and blah, blah. Like, one of the pieces, I have no idea what I'm getting from him. I don't know where – is he going to be on the Nets next year? Well, and that's why I don't think we see Ben Simmons until Kevin Durant's healthy. I, I, I think that I think that's just the reality because you're not putting Ben Simmons on an island by himself at home when you don't even have Kyrie there, right? Like you can't you can't do that. Um, so that I mean, having uh, Durant and Irving on the court, whether it be a road game, I mean, I think you start them. I mean, we'll, I don't even know what the schedule looks like, but you, you Durant and Irving have to be there when Simmons gets his first start. And you're right. I mean, like it's funny we talked so much at length about Harden, but like. What's going to happen with Kyrie? You know, as you said, they didn't offer him that extension. What's going to happen with the vaccine uh, mandate in New York? Still in place. Still looks like it's going to be in place come May and come June. Um, What's he going to do with that player option? So that's like the next. I think if you're Sean Marks, you're like, all right, let me just get through this and then I'll deal with, you know, Kyrie later. Yeah. I mean, look, if if you're rolling out Kyrie, Curry, Durant, Simmons, you know, pick whoever's the center of Claxton, Aldridge, Drummond. That's a hell of a lineup. That said, I think they've gotten smaller with Harris out for at least a little while, if not the whole season, down to Curry. Mills comes off the bench. They got kind of smaller and added yet another big guy. They have too many big guys. They've had too many big guys from the beginning. They added another one. They got smaller on the wing. They're thin on the wing in terms of both in terms of guys who can either shoot or play defense or who can both shoot and play defense. So I, you know, they're but that that lineup or you know put someone else in the Curry spot if you want or or play Simmons at center. I, I think their their wings are are not ideal for that setup, but that's that's the kind of team that I think Steve Nash would love to build towards. A Simmons at center with Durant as the other big, I, th- that's a great team. I just it it feels weirdly almost more uncertain to me than Philly's brand new team, given the stuff with with Kyrie and Simmons. Yeah, I mean Philly helps them now, helps them next year. Um, we'll see after that. Brooklyn, it's like I could see it helping them next year following year i think it's gonna be interesting i mean they get they get longer i mean their length you know and they kept they didn't trade um nick claxton too so you still have him as far as a, you know from a center position drummond is there now um but it is it does feel like it's one of those like you know trades that it, it will be hard to evaluate until you know there's a full body of work of simmons and it's something more towards I mean, if they can just if they figure it out this year, I mean, they're going to be they'll they're be right, a tough out. For they're the right there. Yeah. They're right there. Yeah. I, right. Right now, yep. I would probably go Milwaukee. I mean, I it's, the great thing about Miami and Milwaukee is I'm sitting here telling you how all these Eastern Conference teams like, man, I hope this doesn't happen. Miami and Milwaukee are like, and bring it. We're, we're we don't care. We're not afraid of anybody. We Milwaukee. We just won the title. We got Giannis. Giannis just put up carnival numbers against the Lakers. I was at the game. It was like uh, it was like uh, a, a giant playing against the Lilliputians. I took a Zach. I took a picture because I wanted to send it to my my kids. And um, Giannis was down. We were sitting. You were right in back of me. I was sitting. I, he looked like a dinosaur out there. Like he he looked like one of these big dinosaurs. I mean he 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 is so big. And this team right now, like I saw him against the Clips and I saw him against the Lakers. I mean, like, I mean, 
they've hit their they're hitting their stride. I mean, um, you know, the, I mean they are. I mean, we talked about. It. I mean, they're the, maybe I, they're, maybe the Bucks run. I've been think I've been I've said all year when the Bucks get healthy, they're going to want some crazy like twenty of twenty one run, and they've scuffled and scuffled. Maybe maybe it's finally happening. And the Heat, you know, the Heat are like. We'll play you five on six. We don't care. Like, bring it. We're we're gonna eat you alive. And they did. They uh they largely stood pat, other than one minor trade, um, yesterday. Uh, but yeah. By the way, if there is any justice in life, we've lived through slash are living through a pandemic. You know, the NBA had a finals at freaking Disney World in a bubble. We deserve. We all of us. The world deserves a Brooklyn Philly playoff series where Simmons has to play at least three games, hopefully in front of Phillies fans where we get to see all these guys lined up against each other. The, the Philly Brooklyn games have been spicy already. Embiid, remember Embiid waving yeah. them goodbye and then Durant waving Embiid goodbye. Um, like it, we, I will, if that series happens, I'm just going to preemptively apologize to my family. I'm out. I'm on Amtrak. I'm going. I'm going to every shoot around, every practice. I'm going. I'm. I'm all in for that series. The entire time, you won't see me for hopefully two weeks. Count me in too. I mean, any of the like you look at the top six in the in the East, and then sprinkle in a little Toronto and maybe Boston to that group. Charlotte, we'll see. I mean, you're looking at from one to eight. Um, we're going to be looking at as good as the playoffs as we've seen in a long time. And there's going to be a couple. I mean, there's. One of the one of this group of five, whether it be Chicago or Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami, Philly, they're going to be sitting home after the first round. Oh baby, what a day! I just, you know, they did it. They did it. The Sixers got James Harden. I, I, I. It's just weird. Like, I'm sitting here thinking James Harden, Joel Embiid are on the same team. The Brooklyn thing is over. The Brooklyn thing now just feels like a fever dream where I woke up and I was like, did James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant play together? That happened? Poor Boston. The Boston Celtics are the only team that got like the full brunt of the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs last year. Poor Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier is like, really? Me? I had to get picked on by everyone on the Nets over and over again for the five seconds they played together. Boston and and a, and and a little bit of Chicago this year in that in that one game in the second half. I mean, when they like we saw this big with the three guys, like we're like whoa when they went on that run and won by like thirty in in Chicago, and that was like that was the tease for us, right? Like, if, hey, if this this group could ever stay on the court together, um, this is how good they're going to be. And as you said, like I said, like you know they're the greatest what if team ever. Well, and that that's the thing is. I, I always said before the before the Nets got Harden that I didn't think you know everyone was oh there's only one ball blah blah I I never worried about that because I just thought the collective shooting and ball handling was going to be fine. That's the sad thing about it from a basketball fan's perspective. They fit beautifully. The I mean defensively, look they they were going to be an average defense whatever. Offensively, the ball didn't stick as much as people thought. Kyrie was a great connector between Harden and Durant, and actually I think one of the issues of Kyrie being out this year was that Harden and Durant by themselves did not develop great two-man chemistry of, of any kind. Kyrie kind of connected them. He got the pace going. He was active moving off the ball. Uh, Harris is as active an off-ball guy like the, as there is. The, the offense was, was beautiful. But alas, slash not really alas, because we're left with two really interesting teams in the wake of this. Any parting thoughts on this, on this uh, mega deal that took over our lives for the last two weeks? Yeah, I mean... 
it's over. I mean, like I, I was preparing that we were going to be talking about this in the off season, right? Like I just thought that's what we were going to be treading toward. We we're going to be talking about Ben Simmons again. Hey, well, man, we, we might, had a, we, we might, who knows, <laughs> who knows what could happen. It could all blow up now. Well, we would have been waiting for, you know, if, if Ben Simmons is going to show up in Philadelphia, is he going to suit up? Is he going to be ready to play in the last, whatever, 25 games here? Um, but it, it's, I mean, as I just said, like it, it's, it's so, it just shows you the challenges of building rosters. I mean, it really does. And it's um, the easy way is to, you know, build it organically through homegrown products. And when Brooklyn went out and got Kyrie and Kevin in 2019, I, I just said, like they went from that fun, hardworking Carousel Vert, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen group that won like 40, whatever, 41, 42 games. I said, like, it's great with two all-stars, two all-NBA players, but like now you you jump into it. When you jump into deep end with um, all, all like all NBA type players, man, there's just a, it's just a different it's just a different animal there. I think the only fun I, I'm not saying this because I've talked with Sean Marks about this. I'm just making this up. This is not reporting. I, I just think if you gave him troops through through him, the only fun Sean Marks has had since the day those guys signed is like the art of unearthing Kessler Edwards and Cam Thomas and making like the Daron Sharp trade. Like that's the only – the rest of this can't have been fun for one second. But here, here we are. They're still a contender. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa – Birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons. Watch out for them. You name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Can we do rapid fire through some other trades? Let's go. I got my notebook. I thought the second most interesting trade of the day were the Dallas Mavericks trading Kristaps Porzingis, who has two years left at about $70 million combined after this one, uh, to the Washington Wizards for Spencer Dinwiddie, who has been terrible this season and is in the first year of a three-year contract? Yeah, four three years. Year, three, third year is not a partial The third guarantee. year is a weird one. Yeah, he's and, got like games played tied into it to protect And him. Davis Bertans, who has been so bad – that he can't even get minutes for a Washington Wizards team in free fall. The Dallas Maverick, first of all, the Kristaps Porzingis trade to Dallas is now and forevermore the Tim Hardaway Jr. trade. It is no longer the Kristaps Porzingis trade. The Mavericks traded Dennis Smith, two first-round picks, DeAndre Jordan, Wes Matthews. Like They traded all of that, those picks, all that. You now traded that for Davis Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie. Just think about that. For one second, what this this trade is a clear signal that Dallas, who had to cut money somewhere, although they didn't really in this deal on for next year anyway, to re-sign Brunson and and Finney Smith, who's in the process, hopefully of getting extended, um, 
that Dallas just wants out of the Kristaps Porzingis business. They just want out. They just want to get off of him. Now, they'll tell you, we think Dinwiddie will be better for us. It's a second ball handler that we've been craving, although Jalen Brunson's been filling that role just fine in our starting five. Bertans will just feast off wide-open looks from maybe the best passer in the entire NBA, non-Jokic division, or maybe even Jokic division. I don't know. Uh, And sure, those things could happen. This deal was made, at least if you ask me, just to get out of the Kristaps Porzingis business. So what strikes you about what forget forget the Wizards. For the Wizards, yeah. this is like a low class, a low cost nothing flyer on high end unicorn potential talent. Maybe it makes people happy, maybe it doesn't. For the Wizards, it's an easy sell. What does this tell you about the Mavs? Well, originally I thought uh, Porzingis was going to go to Toronto. That that was my original thought, you know, just talking to people last uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday night that it was going to be a Porzingis, Dragic, and then kind of fill in, you know, salary filler, future one. And it was basically just going to be a salary dump for Dallas. And they would have, you know, had, you know, they would have been able to stay under the tax next year, bring back Jalen Brunson, Finney Smith, and kind of go in that direction here. Um, now you kind of, you fast forward to now, um, you're, I mean, both players have not played well at all. I mean, I don't want to sugarcoat it, and maybe that changes with Dinwiddie, and I don't feel like like Bertans has struggled since he signed the contract, and you still have $33 million tied up in next year with um, with these two players, and you've got the Brunson. Can you make the argument that Dinwiddie gives you insurance if Brunson gets too expensive and a team like maybe, I don't know, I'm just throwing it out hypothetically, Detroit, comes in with a whopper Fred Van Vliet type offer, like four for 72, four for 80 in there. And Dallas doesn't want to do that and gives them protection. It certainly... Didn't Detroit just draft Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham at back-to-back drafts? Like, why am I going all, all in for – I mean, Jalen Brunson's good. Yeah. You can't have enough ball handlers. Killian Hayes has not been – I don't know. That one's I, – I guess I get it. I just wouldn't be that excited about it if I were Detroit. Yeah, I mean, um, so, I, so maybe, as I said, maybe that's insurance for um, – you know, for, for Brunson there, um, Porzingis, you know, it's like one of the, one of the things that's hard in front office is like the, the trade didn't work. The trade didn't work. And like now you're just kind of, you're just going to cut bait, take back salary, split up, I guess you could say split up the contract, but, you know, you know, Dinwiddie and Bertans is, will be hard to, to you know, move. Bertans got a partial in the last year of his contract here, but um, it, it it was interesting. I mean, like I understand it from Washington's perspective, but for for me, for with Dallas, um, I think they just got tired of waiting on Porzingis. Uh, I think it shows a mature and clear understanding of what the Mavericks are and where they are in Luka Doncic's timeline and what they have to accomplish. Doncic is 22, I think, and he's already one of the five to seven best players in the NBA. Um, I think this is an acknowledgement that, an obvious acknowledgement that he wasn't, Porzingis was not close to a number two star, probably not even a number three star. He's always hurt. He's hurt now as we speak. Um, And that we might have to take a step back to take a step forward. Now, maybe they won't even take a step back because, again, he's missed a, a third of the games this season. I don't know, a lot of the games. Um, but we've got to make ourselves a little more nimble 
in search of the flexibility. And I know that Dallas fans do not want to hear about cap space and they do not want to hear about draft picks because they've had no success with either, really, other than Doncic. Um, and Brunson, as a second-round pick, was obviously a home run. And you get credit. You know, Finney Smith, undrafted, that's a home run. Um, because they do get it a little nimbler here. They might not save any money, depending on if Dinwiddie hits certain you know um, benchmarks in his contract. But like you said, they split a $37 million contract or $36 million in last year into two. They've... They may not. They still have tax issues next year with Brunson and Finney Smith. Like, fine, Mark Cuban can afford the tax. It, it's just a little easier to start moving around. Um, but I, I'm, I am interested to see sort of what their end game is. But this is a clear signal of we're going to try to go big game hunting again at some point. Yeah, eventually. I mean, they wouldn't have been able to do that with you know with uh, with Porzingis you know on the contract. And as I said, those contracts on the tail end are, are partially guaranteed. Um, just gives them, it just gives them more options, you know? Um, I mean, I think it's worth swinging for if you're in Washington. Um, you know, I said to comment, I said, you know, Hey, the up, the upside is there. And someone was like, well, aren't we like, how long do you wait for upside? <laughs> you know, like how long you just wait around for, for upside. Um, and you know, those two players, you know, like you weren't able to see, that's the thing. When I went back and when they did the Westbrook trade from a year ago, like you wouldn't have been able to do a Porzingis trade, you know, like you wouldn't have been able to, you had these pieces here. I mean, Bertans wasn't part of it, but you had, um, you had, um, Dinwiddie, you had Montrez Harrell to do in a, uh, Ish Smith type deal to move him off. Um, you were able to kind of do those type of deals. Yeah, I mean, maybe it works out for Dallas. Maybe it doesn't. It's cer- certainly this year, if Porzingis is just going to be injured all the time, I mean, I think it makes it lowers their ceiling this year um, because their highest ceiling was with a healthy Porzingis protecting the rim and hitting threes and all of that. But look, KP and Luca outside the bubble, outside that one first round series against the Clippers in the bubble, their two man game never clicked the way people thought it would, and in, in part because they just teams just put wings on Porzingis and switched everything and it, it just never sort of clicked like they thought and this is a way for them to get a little bit of a fresh start and and reorient their team uh, a bit let's switch gears to what I thought was the second biggest and most important deal of the deadline and one I haven't had a chance to talk too much about which is the Kings Pacers swap with uh, the Kings acquiring Domantas Sabonis Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb in exchange for Ty Reese Halliburton Buddy healed, and I think Tristan Thompson ended up with the Pacers, and maybe some other stuff happened. Really, what it comes down to is Halliburton mm-hmm. and Sabonis. Um, what was your initial take on this one? Well, I mean, I know Sacramento got crushed in it, and um, I am a huge Sabonis fan. I mean, I think you know, from a skill standpoint, um, great contract. Um, I'm an equally bigger Hal Burton fan. And the thinking in Sacramento is that we tried to make it work with the three guards, right? Hal Burton, Fox, Mitchell. Um, we can't rebuild, right? Like we can't, like we, we've, you know, I know this is a different front office. We can't, and that's why you didn't probably see Harrison Barnes traded for a first round pick or some of these other type deals. We Harrison Barnes is going to be on the Kings when he's 40. Is this the year we, they trade Harrison Barnes? Can you still get two firsts for Harrison Barnes? Next year, next year, it's going to be three years in a row. We're talking about Harrison Barnes. We talked about it last year, this year, we'll probably talk about it last year. And they thought that um, they, you know, they couldn't do as someone described the future by, which you're basically just trading for draft picks here. And, um, 
So, I mean, shoot, if they play like they did Wednesday night <laughs> against Minnesota, and that's probably that bump you get when you get a player in a trade, um, I get it. I mean, you know, the more you talk to teams around, um, and my big question was, Zach, like, um, could you have kept Hal Burton and moved Fox in a deal? And the understanding um, around the league was that, you know, Indiana did not want De'Aaron Fox. You know, Hal Burton, based on his play, based on his contract, had a, had a tremendous amount of value for them. So I get, I mean, I get it. I get it from Sacramento and they're going to get crushed because here's a player that they drafted that wanted to be there, had just gone off the roof for 38 points against Philadelphia and, you know, basically cried when he got traded. And those type of players are hard to, to get in, in Sacramento here. But if, if Fox regained and Fox has not played, if Fox regains how he's played in the past and Sabonis, I mean, like I, my big question was like, what the Sabonis Holmes combination, like it's just feel like there's like, we're just like clutter there. Um, I'm surprised Rashawn Holmes didn't get traded today. Yeah, I am too. Um, so that, I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's my initial, I thought for Indiana, it's, it's a good trade. You know I mean? It's a good trade. I mean, Buddy Heald, I think he's a six man, Hal Burton, good, you know, good player. Um, you know, it's the, you know, the goal in Sacramento is still to get into playing. I mean, realistically, like that's the goal for them. I don't hang that uh, banner, that, baby. Hang that Brown. Per- they should get a big, if you get into playing and lose, you should get a big brown participation ribbon <laughs> that just says participant and shows like a runner in ninth place as other runners cross the finish line and you should be able to hang that in your arena it if, would be, if you want it would be fitting maybe we get a king's lakers playing right that would be fitting i love the play and i'm so glad they stuck with the play and despite lebron's very public criticism of the author of the uh, the authors of the play in uh, last year um i think what happened here honestly is not just the desperation to make the play in not just the feeling that we've got to we we've got to rebalance our roster because we have Fox Halliburton and Davion Mitchell and those three are all guards not let alone healed that's four guards. Um, I think the Kings identified Domantas Sabonis and said we want that guy specifically. We're not shopping Halliburton. We're not doing a wide sweep of the league whether we should or not. We've identified a talent that we fit think fits with De'Aaron Fox and we're going to do whatever it takes to get him or fits with Tyrese Halliburton. If we can move De'Aaron Fox, we can't because he's not had a good year. And they went and got him, which is ironically how they ended up with Buddy Heald in the first place. Remember, because Vivek Ranadive, when they traded Cousins, was like, Buddy Heald, baby. Next Steph Curry. We're getting that guy. That's the guy we're getting. Um, look, I know the most fun thing in the world is to laugh at the Sacramento Kings. It's just, it's endlessly fun. I don't think they won this trade. But I just, I can't. So I, like JJ Reddick called it malpractice on TV, and I pushed back That's at him. Do, do, Domas Sabonis is the best player on the Pacers. Yeah, he's a really, really good player. He's a really good offensive player in particular. Um, he and Fox will have a nice two-man chemistry. Um, all of that. That that said, here, here's the way I look at it: Halliburton, Sabonis, side by side. Halliburton's a more valuable player. He's younger. He can play with any team. He amplifies any kind of lineup. He's got an unbelievably easy to meld, or easy to sort of fit in skill set, passing, shooting, playmaking, enough size to guard wings, although he's not been great defensively. He's on a rookie deal for two more years after this one. Then he's a restricted free agent. So bonus is on a really good value contract right now, 
he can be an unrestricted free agent at the same time that Tyrese Halliburton is a restricted free agent. You get to max him out? Okay, well, that, you know. So asset-wise, Halliburton is just clearly more valuable. And Sabonis, he's a center who needs the ball, doesn't really shoot jump shots, doesn't protect the rim. I thought I think this has been his best season defensively. He's been kind of frisky defensively. But he's a so-so defender at best. And, like, it's just hard to build a really good team around that kind of player. And, you know, Fox is, is uh, not shooting it well. Davion Mitchell is shooting 31% from three. They don't have – their center is a non-shooter. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of – it's a lot of non-shooting – I think this is the kind of trade that you could you can make a good team out of or an okay team, a great one. I don't know, and I also think to your point about Fox, they also had the option to just do nothing. They didn't have to go get Domantas Sabonis. They didn't have to do anything. They could have just kept Tyrese Halliburton, and I think they made this deal from a position of weakness because of De'Aaron Fox's subpar season by his standards. Yeah, you hit it right on the head, right on the head. I mean, if if De'Aaron Fox was playing. I mean, not all star because he's, you know, has, you know, as I, as I call it, top starter. You know, we probably don't, um, we probably don't see a type of trade, or they're they're in the, you know, they're in the ninth hole or tenth hole, and they're not going out and getting uh, Sabonis. I think it was a reactionary trade based on, based on circumstances. I did like their trade today, though. I thought they did a nice job to get um, Divincenzo. Their second try getting Dante Divincenzo after the uh, aborted Bucks sign and trade with them before. Um, they got DiVincenzo, uh, Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles, who's had a nice season for them for Detroit, uh, in exchange for Marvin Bagley. I like that trade for uh, the Pistons. That's fine. Like, give me Mar- like Isaiah yeah. Stewart. I, lo- I love Beef Stew. Olenek's fine. Like, I haven't seen either enough of either of those guys to, like, preclude me from taking a shot at the guy who was the number two pick in the draft. We'll see how, how that works out. Like it fine for Detroit. I think Detroit gave two seconds in that trade um, that ended up going to Milwaukee. I think the most important end of this trade for our purposes today is the Bucks, who effectively trade Dante DiVincenzo for Serge Ibaka, the Clippers are the fourth team in this trade, and two second round picks. And I think it's a good thing the Bucks got two second round picks because I know Serge Ibaka is a big guy and they need a big guy with Brooke Lopez recovering from back surgery. I know he's a big name, a champion, a former defensive player of the year candidate. I don't like Dante DiVincenzo for Serge Ibaka straight up as much as most people seem to. I think Dante DiVincenzo, he's, look, I know he hasn't been the same since his, his ankle issues, I think, last year. He's out for a long time. Shot's been up and down this year. Play's been up and down this year. He's been injured a couple times this year. I just, I Ibaka has looked like somewhat like his old self in like one out of every four games. And then the other three, it's like, whoa, that is a shell of Serge Ibaka. And that scares me a little bit, particularly when I'm giving up a good wing player. And I I just, I can't have enough good wing players in the playoffs. Well, especially like, I mean, I I would have been content. I know that the search in in Milwaukee was finding a big and Portis playing center with Brooke out. I mean, like, like the, the minutes I've seen, you know, certainly Greg Monroe on, on this 10 day have been fine, you know, serviceable there. Um, the hard part is when you move DiVincenzo, who's a, who's going to be a restricted free agent in Ibaka, like the likelihood is that Ibaka becomes a free agent, likely probably maybe signed somewhere else. And now because of how much money they've committed to the roster, now the DiVincenzo spot is now filled by a minimum player here. Like, so for future, that's how I look at it. Um, 
Who's like breaking the bank for Divincenzo this summer? Not like not, what? what? They, yeah, I there. I haven't seen an, I haven't seen anything from him since he's come back. Um, and I know he's probably still working his way into into sh- into shape. I mean, does he? You know, Grayson Allen got what did he get? Not uh, two for nine million a year, I think. Um, yeah, something like nine or ten. Um, about f- about five million per per yeah, uh, catastrophic I mean, injury caused, maybe. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, what is Divincenzo? Six, seven million dollars? I don't. I, mean, I think he'll get he'll get more than that. Yeah, um, um, but I think I think the max is you know something around the mid level is the absolute ceiling. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and and that that has major multiples of tax implications for the Bucks. I get it. I, I just think this season, I, I said this before, man. I you know, Wes Matthews has been fine for them. George Hill's mm-hmm. been good for them. I just I like his two way game. I like the way he fits in Bud's system. And I'd be nervous that you know you have Grayson Allen, you have Pat Connaughton, maybe they have enough guys. I don't know. I just I like that player type. I think it fits well with the Giannis at center lineups. And I just don't. I'm just not sure sure what Serge who fits their their prototype of a, a, a rim protector who can shoot threes. I'm just not sure what he has in the tank. If he has enough left in the tank, he's going to prove this wrong and they're going to thrive with him. Yeah. And then maybe they resign him back. Um, and as you said, like we don't know when Brooke will be back and it just gives you insurance, but guy coming off, uh, coming off back surgery. The Utah jazz trade Joe Ingles, get well, Joe and two seconds uh, for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who the Portland Trailblazers had just acquired for C.J. McCollum. So Nikhil Alexander-Walker does the thing where he's on three teams in two days. Uh, this appears to have been Utah's only move. They didn't trade another first. They had a future first to trade. Ingles' expiring contract was their obvious trade chip, doubly so once he tore his ACL. They get Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, and look, the Warriors didn't do anything. They didn't have to. We'll talk about the Suns. I thought the Suns made two little sly moves that I kind of liked. Um, the Jazz are in in fourth in the West. The Grizzlies didn't do anything. The Grizzlies just kicked their feet up on the desk. Yeah, boy, we, you guys, we'll watch the chaos unfold around us. We love our team. We got a lot of chips. We'll cash them in another day. We like our team. Um, we like our feisty team. Um, are, is this enough for the Jazz? No. It's not. I... I they're in four. They'd probably get Phoenix in round two if they get out of the first round, which would probably be against Dallas. I mean, it helps, you know, when you replace a guy who's out for the year with two bench players, with Hernan Gomez too, um, and Alexander Walker. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it it helps bolster your bench. Um, I just, I, I mean, I'm disappointed. I guess I know there's been injuries with Donovan and Rudy and stuff. I mean, I, the Jazz were the, my pick to get to the finals. I, you know, I team continuity that only goes so far. Um, so I don't. I I I'm fine with the move. I think that's fine. Um, but I don't. I don't think it's enough. I. It for me, it comes down to, I just think Quinn Snyder is going to hate Nikhil Alexander Walker. I mean, like Quinn Snyder prizes. High IQ ball movement, good shot selection, efficient shot making, keep the blender moving, all that. Nikhil Alexander Walker hasn't played like that. His shot selection's all out of whack. Uh, his decision making has been not great with the ball. Um, I, now, I like it as a flyer and a value play for the Jazz because I think Nikhil, I think Alexander Walker, there is a much better player in there than he has shown in the NBA. He has really good length and instincts on defense. He can score. 
He has scoring ability and explosion and instincts that you can't teach. And at some point, either he's not going to sort of harness it and get the decision-making under control, or he will, and he's going to become a good rotation player in the NBA at a position of need on both ends of the floor. So I get it. It just feels like the Jazz needed someone who I know I, I know this person can help their team this year. I know this person can fill 18 rotation minutes for this team and be trusted by the coach right away this year. And I don't think Nikhil Alexander-Walker is that player. Now they've got 25 games and he becomes that player. But I just, I'm surprised this is where they ended up. Yeah, I mean, I thought maybe potentially, um, I never thought you know Jeremy Grant was in play just because the more you talk to teams, the, the asking price was going to be too rich. I mean, it's incredible um, that he didn't get traded. After, I mean, it's not incredible because we all saw it coming. We all talked about it, but it's like you just sort of thought, "How could we've talked?" I, I I can't believe how much I've talked about Jeremy Grant in the last year. Just so much Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant, and now he's just a piston for a while. Well, they treated him like he was a franchise player as far as the asking price. I mean, two two first round picks for him, and then you had to deal with paying him on an extension for four years, $112 million. And, um, but I thought, yeah, I mean, I thought Grant was never realistic. I mean, once Covington got traded to the Clippers that kind of went off the board, those, you know, those big wings, um, big wings just weren't there. Still don't really get how the Clippers got Covington and Norm Powell for, Justice Winslow, Eric Bledsoe, and Keon Johnson. Was there a, was there seconds in that trade? I don't even know. There if was there a were 2025 seconds. second from Detroit. Okay, so the <laughs> maybe the 45th pick in the draft. I don't in that draft maybe if things go okay for the Pistons. Yeah, I mean it was a salary dump. Let's face it. I mean Bledsoe's contract's partially guaranteed. Um, Winslow's on a four million dollar deal. Johnson's a first round pick. I mean they basically it was a salary dump. And then the Blazers two days later. To, to continue with this trade, made the decision that, yeah, we don't want to pay Alexander Walker $5 million. We don't – everyone was like, oh, yeah, Blazers well, got a the, nice, interesting here, flyer in this the, trade. Here's the nope. crazy thing, Zach, about um, – because you, you rarely see um, a player get traded on um, Tuesday and then get traded again on Wednesday because there's always um, – you know, you got to report, you got to take physicals. I, I've never seen teams waive the reporting – and passing a physical when there's a lot of money at stake here. So they were able to, they waived reporting, waived passing physicals. And then Alexander was able to, Walker was able to be traded the next day, which is fine. Um, I've I've never seen for a player like CJ McComb, who's got after this year, 60 million plus for a team to waive his physical in new Orleans. I, I, man, we better cross your fingers. Hopefully it all works out. Um, I, I was stunning for me here. And um, I, I I mean, the other parts that went to um, the other part, you know, Josh Hart, guys like that. I mean, non-guaranteed contract next year. It's fine. But for, for the, the CJ part, and I know I'm off the trail here. I, I just, I've never, ever seen it happen before like that. Wow. Never. And especially for a guy who's coming off an injury, right? I mean, like he was. He was, you know, there was, you know, what did he have? Did he have a lung issue? Collapsed um, lung. Yeah. I mean, like, I maybe it was part of, I'm, I'm sure it was part of the condition of the trade that because it, Portland wanted to flip Alexander Walker or that. But if I was New Orleans, I would have been like, you know what? No, you know, we're, we're, we want to take a physical on him. And, 
Um, that's just that's just stunning for me. Here's who Portland has on the roster next year. Now they did get a good pick, a potentially top ten pick uh, in this coming draft from the Pelicans, maybe in this deal. Um, so you can add that player in, and I think that's a nice get for them. I talked about this trade with Tim Bontemps already. I don't want to belabor it, but here's what they have on the roster: Damian Lillard. You heard of him? Yeah. Bledsoe, maybe. Hart, maybe. Both on partial or, in Hart's case, fully non-guaranteed deals. Anthony Simons, restricted free agent. For sure, he'll be back. Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, Nasir Little, Didi Luzada, and Greg Brown the third, And then a bunch of maybes, uh, uh, including Yusuf Nurkic, who's a free agent. I, you know, I saw – I don't remember where I read it. Forgive me. I said – I saw someone – put out sort of like, well, you know, Dame Lillard, Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, you know, whoever you think is the four, and Yusuf Nurkic, like, that's per- Josh Hart, Yusuf Nurkic, like, that's pretty exciting for Dame. I'm like, no, it's not. No. That's not, that, that's that's in the West? That's a... With, with that's Paul not, George and Kawhi coming back and Murray and That's not Porter that and... exciting. I mean, it's, ex- like, it's exciting to watch. Like, I'll watch Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard, like, light shit on fire and then give up a million points on the other end. Like, that's cool. I'll watch that. But, like, so what? what is – so Portland is ba- – how much cap space do they actually have if they renounce Nurkic? Um, how, yeah. Like, what's the most they can get? What are they doing with it? What's happening here? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, with no Nurkic, wave Bledsoe or, you know, figure out – what to do with his partial you keep josh hart the simons hold because he's a restricted free agent i mean you're looking at prior 35 million dollars in cap space that's in a really average the below average free agent market piece uh they, they could act like a team over they've got that big trade exception i think they go after i know you don't want to hear his name again i think they go after jeremy grant at the at the draft because one of the concerns that i had heard was although that pelicans pick that they got back could be good it's in that 5 to 14 range there's no number attached to it and from Detroit's perspective they wanted to know kind of where it was like they didn't want it to roll over to the following year which potentially has to do there um but here here's my question I said it on um on the NBA Today show like you think Damian Lillard is going to sign up for a rebuild here like you, I mean, like you think he's going to walk in and be like, yeah, I'm good. You know, just kind of retool with draft picks and, you know, we'll see what we'll add guys in a, you know, sign fringe guys and free agency here. Like they've got a window from, um, you know, when the off season ends to the start of free agency to get it right and shape the roster around him. And I think that's going to be extremely, extremely difficult. Look, stranger things have happened. NBA team building is unpredictable. Ask the Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia 76ers, right? There, are, There is a universe in which um, they nail that draft pick from the Pelicans. Like someone walks in it's and has like an Evan Mobley-like impact on – I'm just saying these. there are universes in which this happened. There are not very many of them, but there is a universe out there. Uh, Nasir Little makes a leap. I think Simons is ready to average 20 a game in the NBA on efficient shooting. So that leap happens. You re-sign Nurkic. You trade for Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant just kills it. And then you add one free agent. All of a sudden, you're like, hey, we're a 48-win team. Pretty good. Got some upside. But that's like if everything goes right and you're still behind all these other teams in the West. The more likely scenario is you're not that good. You're waiting on some of these young guys like the draft pick you make, like Simons, to enter their primes or get close to their primes. And by that time, Damian Lillard's 35 years old. And, you know, 
they're trying to thread a really, really small needle with this kind of immediate retool. It's possible. It's been done. It usually takes just one incredible stroke of luck, including, by the way, how the Blazers acquired the draft rights to Damian Lillard for Gerald Wallace. I'm sorry. Don't remind uh, me. Talk I'm about knee, Hey, talk about knee-jerk reaction trades. Hello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's that. I mean, like. It, t- it usually it. takes to bridge eras <laughs> like that without bottoming out. Usually takes like an unbelievable home run, like trading for Kawhi Leonard on draft night and having it be a home run. Like it's just not something you can bet on. Yeah. So I just look. You you mentioned like you thought we were going to be talking about Simmons and Harden all summer. I worry for Blazers fans that we're going to be talking about Dame all summer because I just don't you can tell me you can say whatever you want today the Joe Cronin and the GM so we're building around Dame Dame can say whatever he wants about not running from the grind Steve Nash said like four times in the last week that we're not trading James Harden um I just I I I don't see Dame son I just if you ask me right now is Damian Lillard on the Blazers before next season when next season starts and you made me you you made me put money on it I would put money on no he's somewhere else I agree. I don't feel I, confident. I don't feel I, don't com- I never feel confident in these bets, no, but that's I, what I, I would do. I just I agree because I know how hard it is to build if it's going to be either through free agency and the draft and based on where the Western Conference is. I mean, the Western Conference will be so much better next year, um, you know, than it is this year. And um, but I, and I understand basically like this roster as how they had constructed it. They they've hit a you know fork in a road and they to tear it down and stuff, but. It's, I mean, it's going to be really, really difficult, as I said. And um, I, that's my concern. My concern is there. My concern, I think, certainly what happens in Washington with, uh, with Bradley Beal. Um, you know, that's something we'll talk about, I'm sure, in the offseason as far as, you know, what does he want to do? Is he content as far as, um, you know, signing up long term there? A couple more and then we'll, we'll let you go. You surprised the Lakers didn't do anything today? I know you're not because you've been saying, what do they have to trade? It's just math. They got nothing to trade. But I just got to tell you, Bobby, after that Bucks debacle the other night yeah. that we were both at, then you lose to the remains of the Blazers. Not even the, We can't even call the team that beat the Lakers last night the Trailblazers. There's something else. And after that Bucks loss, I've never seen LeBron that dejected and just come out and say like we're so far from that team we're we can't even sniff that team we're not even blah blah blah, blah. we got to do something Dave McMahon reports that there's an urgency within the players to shake things up at the trade deadline I, I know that they just had this THT none in a first in the distant future to trade I I just they'll work the buyout market I, I just I'm surprised I'm just surprised you're not I guess no I mean I'm no I'm not surprised just based on what they had what I'm um what I'm you know, I wouldn't say surprised. Um, what I'm, I'm curious about is that the sense in Ramona said, had a, said it great on, um, on TV today. And it just feels like, like ownership in the front office said to the players, like you guys go out and fix this, right? Go out and we're not going to trade draft assets at 2027 first or, um, you know, to try to fix what, what has happened or fix the product on the court. And it's up to you, you know, guys on the court, whether it be LeBron or AD or what, I mean, who knows what we'll see with Westbrook here, but like you've got 25 games, 30 games to fix it. And we're, we're tired of 
you know, spending money into the luxury tax, trading draft assets. It's going to be up to the players right now to do it. The only the deal that I liked that someone um, on the periphery of it threw at me was so I, I heard the Lakers never really discuss Wall for Westbrook because of the Houston demanding to pick. Fine, I, someone pitched to me uh, Westbrook, THT, and that pick for Wall and Eric Gordon. I like that trade. I probably and I've heard people who have seen Wall say he looks great. He looks as good as he did last year. Whatever. He's a much better shooter than Russ, who has been as as anyone could have predicted a, a really bad fit with LeBron. Um, I kind of like that trade because I don't really care about the 2027 pick. I have LeBron James. Like I got to do something now that at least gives me two potential rotation players to replace. Um, two underperforming rotation play. I don't know. I, maybe that trade was never on the table for them. Eric Gordon's got eighteen or nine, uh, nineteen five, uh, nineteen point five million due next year. That's not great. Um, I, I kind of like that one. I would have probably considered that too, be just because you get Gordon, you get a shooter. Um, you know, certainly Wall. Um, as you said, I mean, certainly looks good. And I mean, I think the the. We're, we're trending towards the end of the Russell Westbrook experiment. I don't, I mean, it's, it's not going to end well. And I mean, you're the Lakers in 2027, you should be able to go out and get players, free agents. You'll, I don't think you'll have anybody on your books. I just, I didn't think the Russ fit was going to be good, but this is just a whole level of, I mean, he's, he looks broken as a player. Now that against Milwaukee in his first stint, he plays like first eight, nine minutes of the first quarter. So for four, stepped on the sideline, traveled, passed up shot after shot. And, and I thought more, and to the point where I t- whispered to someone next to me, is Vogel going to bring him back in the game? Is that, is that going to be it? Because he's so deep in his own head. And what was equally revealing to me, Bobby, in that game, watching it up close, watching the Lakers sludgy offense right in front of my eyes instead of through the TV screen, it looked even sludgier in person. But what was really revealing to me is when LeBron went out for a rest, and it was Russ's time, he still kind of deferred to Malik Monk. Like, he was in the corner doing nothing on a lot of possessions. I'm like, man, what is going on with this dude? It's been so bad. And I know he said I shouldn't have to hit any benchmarks. I'm entitled to play in the closing in the closing lineups. No, you're not. The Lakers are trying to win now. They're not concerned with what Russell Westbrook did five seasons ago. They're trying to win games right now. And no one is entitled to to those minutes if you're not playing up to par and he's not playing up to par. He's not entitled to the, to be in those lineups. And, and frankly, the way he's playing, he shouldn't be. It's uncomfortable. I mean, it was uncomfortable watching him against New York on uh, Saturday. Uh, it was uncomfortable watching him in person against uh, Milwaukee. It, it really is because there's no, you know, he, he has hurt the, the team, you know, certainly more than helped them. And he feels like he's, he, and he realizes Every little thing he does wrong is magnified. Um, I think that is weighing on him. Look, I mean, it was a bad, it was a bad move, and that's on Rob Polinka. It's on LeBron James. It's on whoever else was back in that move. Because I know not everybody backed it. I can tell you that much for sure. Not every power player within the Lakers, not every voice in those rooms backed that move. Let's do one more trade, and then we'll go. I thought this was kind of this is a good this is the nerd trade the basketball nerd trade that ever all the nerds were like oh this is a good one including me I'm doing my imitation of my oh that was an interesting one uh, the Spurs who never make trades I uh, made three trades this year but the big one was Derek White uh, to the Boston Celtics for Josh Richardson Romeo Langford 
the Celtics first round pick in the coming draft, top four protected, so it'll be in this draft. The right to swap picks with the Celtics in 2028, first round picks, top one protected. So if Boston has the number one pick, you can't swap it. Anything else you can swap, which I think is kind of a sneaky little valuable little treat, little cookie, little chocolate chip to get in that trade. Um, what do you make of this one? Well, I mean, and then you add the drag, the uh, Dragic, Thaddeus Young, where you get a first. Also, I mean, and, and as you said, like San Antonio, they ki- they, they kind of got a first. Yeah, kind of. That's right. Because um, they traded the Pistons' second round picks, so they moved up ten yeah, spots. They got a first. They moved up ten spots or something um, in the draft. It's like it feels like San Antonio has finally caught up to the times of of NBA transactions. <laughs> I mean, like as far as because. They be based on that great run they had, and now it's like okay, now we got to go and draft asset accumulation and kind of build it a different way here. And um, and I I like Derek White. I mean I'm I, I'm a fan. He's kind of been up and down this year here, but um, you know that pick swap in 2028 could be something there. Um, you know the pick this year is probably going to be in the teens, I would say. Um, you know Josh Richardson's got another year left on his contract. I mean, I don't know what to say about Romeo Langford, right? It's kind of like, you know, what what do we have here? But um, I like it. That, like- that's the only that that's exactly what you should say about Romeo Langford. Yeah. I don't know what to say about. Romeo I don't know. He, I mean, he's I feel there. Like he's always on the injured list. He you know he exists. He's like, yeah. oh, there he is in the corner. Okay. Um, oh, can you take a shot at him? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's for for Boston. It feels like you know what? We're not content. We want to get into the top six. You know, we want to get in with. Derek White and Daniel Tice, and you know we've traded away some, you know, back end guys here. Got under the luxury tax. It was a good day for them, um, and it cost them. You know, for, for you know, like it's interesting. Like, like this doesn't feel like a Danny, like if Danny was still there, Ainge type move, right? Like it's it's just kind of like a little bit of a changing of the guard as far as how they how they function. Um, I Derek Derek White's a good player. He's 27 years old. His spursiness, like his, he moves around a lot. He's a quick decision maker. He's unselfish. That's exactly what the Celtics need between Tatum and Brown. That's exactly the kind of player they need. Just keep it moving. Just keep it moving. I just wish he shot it better. I think he's at 31% from deep this year. He's an average or below average for his career. And the Celtics just, they're just dying, dying for one killer shooter around those guys and that's not Derek White and he's got you know three years left I think on a contract that's like 16 17 million a pop yeah. it's I mean look as evidenced by the fact that the Celtics just traded two draft assets for him uh it it does have market value so maybe it's not that it's just not I don't think it's a great contract I think he's a good player I think he'll help the Celtics defensively he'll make them even better but they're already elite defensively I think they're third or fourth in the league in points allowed per possession offensively maybe his sort of passing and juice and ball movement will help them I, I just wish he shot it better I'm not sure I would have done this and Josh Richards has been playing well too I, I'm not and you know I think he's a free agent after this year Josh Richardson right no, they gave him, next, no next year they gave him the one year they gave him the one yeah. one more year that's right um so you get some long-term certainty with Derek well you get him through the, the, the his prime he's 27 years old I, I just wish he could shoot it better. I'm not sure I would have done this trade if I was Boston. Maybe I would have and just said, you know what? It's it's uh, what the 16th pick in the draft and mm-hmm. swap rights. It's not that big of a deal. Um, I just I'm not I'm not over over overjoyed about it. But, and the Spurs like so they traded White, didn't trade Pirtle, 
There are reports that Charlotte was close on a deal that would have exchanged P.J. Washington and some other stuff for Pirtle. That would have been fun, although I like P.J. Washington. Pirtle is really good and on a, on a good contract, although a short contract. Um, didn't trade Murray, didn't trade Pirtle, didn't trade McDermott, trade Thad Young, who was not in the rotation. That was a good move. Um, I, I, are they still just sort sort of stuck in the middle here? The bottom middle? No, they're not even in the middle. They're stuck at the bottom, but not all the way at the bottom. Or is that still where we are with them? Yeah, not. I don't think they're complete bottom, um, but they are in that like I don't know, twelve to thirteen range, I guess, in the standings here. And kind of what's the way out? I mean, it's always been about developing Murray, um, you know, uh, Keldon Johnson, that group. You know, as we I think we talked on a prior podcast about like you know how do you consolidate all these guards that they have, um, Primo. Vassal guys like that. Um, so, and it looks like it feels like it's going to go through, you know, the re, I guess retooling is going to go through the draft. I mean, I mean, here's another team. Like, what do you think? They, they're going to be sitting on cap space, 40 million potentially here. Like what's out there for that? For the San Antonio Spurs. I guess we'll see. I mean, look how they use their cast space this year. Zach Collins reclamation project, Doug McDermott, like fine, whatever. Like it's not, it's not a big destination, but I do think it's like this, this front office has begun to show its hand a little bit. We're, we're going to be more proactive, more deal oriented. We're willing to take steps backward, but they still, uh, maybe the Western conference rises to the point that the Spurs just by inertia will be at the bottom of it and pick really high. In the 2023 draft, maybe they'll get lucky in the lottery, you know. But I, I think, I think this front office still has, it's still half measures. It's not full measures, either way. And maybe that's okay. By the way, it's okay to just be what they are now and continue developing Murray and Keldon Johnson and and Murray's an all star. That's great. Um, let's go back and finish where we started, which was the big the big trade of the day. Who's your favorite right now to win the Eastern Conference, Bobby Marks? I'm putting you Milwaukee. on the spot. Milwaukee. Still. Yep. Still. Despite Brooke Lopez uncertainty. Yeah. Despite the DiVincenzo for Ibaka swap. Yeah, Milwaukee. Although I did pick Miami to get to the finals in the before the year. <laughs> but I'm sticking I'm staying I'm huh? gonna stay I'm Milwaukee. I like Miami. I mean, goodness. Get a, good luck with them in a best of seven series. Goodness um, gracious. They're really good. Hero Hero has made the leap that they needed him to make in order for this team to, to, to reach the level they're at. For them to be number one in the East, despite all the injuries and all the COVID, and it's been worse for them than most other teams between Butler's injury, Lowry was out for a bit with a personal matter, Bam missed, has missed half the season. They're, they're fearsome, and they're not afraid of anybody. And they've been overlooked, frankly, in all of this hullabaloo about the dysfunction in Philly and Brooklyn. Um, now, I guess by default, the Heat are kind of losers here because they had the Sixers and the Nets sort of emerge from this rub- rubble as better teams than they were yesterday. But I still think we got to group Miami in with these other three teams. I'm with you, though. If you had to, if you asked me to pick all year, I've said the minute the Brooklyn – Brooklyn was my preseason pick to win the championship. Uh, that has not worked out well, Bobby. Things kind of went haywire pretty fast in Brooklyn. That Those picks – I've made that pick before. It was clear what was going to happen with Kyrie. The minute the Kyrie situation went haywire, I've said it then and I said it over and over again. Milwaukee is the safest bet on the table. And that includes the Warriors and the Suns who have to go through each other uh, in the postseason to reach the finals. I mean, the Suns really are the safest night-to-night bet in the NBA. They're just a freaking machine. Oh, yeah, we should talk about them. 
Tory Craig and Aaron Holiday. Nice. I like both of those yeah. moves for Phoenix. Just trimming around the edges. I mean, um, second year in a row for Tory Craig, right? Coast. I mean, last year was prior to the deadline, and um, Aaron Holiday just kind of gives you a, you know, kind of a another guard off the bench. Didn't really call it. what I didn't see. What did uh, what did Holiday cost them? Did that was that to part cash? Was, cash. I sweet, love it. Sweet cash. Oh man. There's nothing better than cash, man. Like, especially if you're an owner that just like just hits your direct deposit, like your big check, your big account. You know, usually they tell you you got to you got to. You know, teams are a little hesitant. They say, you know, two installments. We're going to pay you on the thirtieth and the fifteenth of the month. Usually, you want it all at once. I think I'd go at the risk of of. I mean, look, we're all over our skis. We're making snap predictions. I think if you ask me right now, fully healthy version of these teams. I think I'm going Milwaukee, Philly, Brooklyn, just because I can't even fully healthy Brooklyn. What do I get with Kyrie? Miami, maybe Miami over Brooklyn. Maybe Miami should be first. I don't even know, but I I think I'd put Milwaukee number one. That's the only thing I'm going to commit to is I'm picking Milwaukee number one. I'm picking them to come out of the East as of now. But, boy, what a day. What a day. Have Have we missed anything else? You think the Nets ever look back and say maybe we should have traded for Drew Holiday instead of uh, James Harden? <laughs> Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Uh, no, I think we hit on everything here. I mean, the Brooklyn thing. Ooh. I mean, we could talk about Brooklyn for all. Uh, Bobby, all they salary purposes. dumped. They salary dumped Porzingis. They didn't yeah. even salary dump him. They took the same salary back just yeah. in two people. I can't. Yeah. How the mighty have fallen. The mighty yeah, not being changed. the Mavericks. The Por- Porzingis. Things change, my friend. Things change in a year. Porzingis kind of has, is a little bit wizardy. He looks like he he's kind of like maybe because Gandalf is really tall, like taller than everyone around him. He, I think he fits the wizards, <laughs> the wizards persona. I think the hair. Maybe I don't know. There's something wizardy about Kristaps Porzingis. Well, that's a fitting place to end because my brain is broken. Bobby Marks, it's been a pleasure talking trade with you over the last couple of weeks. We have made it through another trade deadline. I'm, I'm about one column and. Four hours away from a delicious, delicious beverage, sir. Thank you for your time. Sounds good, buddy. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey. You never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One.